Hey folks, today's episode is brought to you by Smirnoff Number no. 21 Vodka Ornaments, the perfect white elephant gift. If you go to one of those gift swaps this year, now you don't have to wonder what to get. Uh, you know, finding the right gift can be tough, can be expensive, but Smirnoff brings you a fun and affordable option. Give people what they actually want for the holidays this year, provided they are adults, and that is vodka. It's a two-in-one option. You get decorations, you get vodka in the same gift. So give the best gift this holiday. Holiday season, Smirnoff number no. 21 vodka ornaments. As always, please sip responsibly and only share with people 21 and up. Hello, future links. This is Ken. And this is John. We're going to take a second here before the show begins to celebrate the holiday winter solta- solstice season. Mm-hmm. The solstice. The solstice, we call it. It's like the Soviets. The poultice. If you put a poultice <laughs> on a Soviet because he's turning red, it's a solstice. Uh, just to mention that uh, with the Advent of the holiday season in late November 2019. I like how you threw Advent in there. That's nice. Yeah, it's yeah. just a lot of just a lot of subtle Christianity mm-hmm. every time I talk. <laughs> I'm offended by the Starbucks cups that don't yeah. have a manger on them. Every day I open a little door in Ken <laughs> and I get another tiny piece of chocolate. Uh, you know, we we were so thankful for your support around the Thanksgiving season that we, uh, after months of putting it off, we finally rolled out a series of delightful benefits and rewards for those who have supported the show. We've been, we've been <clears throat> so grateful uh, for the Patreon support of our program. It has eased our transition away from our former corporate masters and made us feel like independent operators and futurelings ourselves. And so we wanted to give back in this time of giving and actually have uh, Patreon levels that have different uh, rewards. So give yourself the gift of perks this holiday season. What are some of our perks, Ken? Well, anybody who donates at any of the Patreon tiers receives probably the main perk, which is a monthly omnibus episode of Addenda Mm. that goes reader feedback, pointing out uh, corrections and additions and addictions, possibly. A lot of presentlings have information they'd like to share with us about various topics. Sometimes it's because they live in the town that we discussed. Sometimes it's because they are uh, lapidiatrists. If there's one thing all Omnibus listeners have in common, it's they have information to share. <laughs> so we, and uh, we wanted to make sure that went in the time capsule as That's well. right. That's right. We're going to cover, cover all the bases. And so it's a, it's a, it's a fun listen, a fascinating listen. A new monthly episode uh, uh, available to all our Donors at higher donation levels, you get access to a, a video, a image archive, um, show notes, and uh, mailbag oddities and whatnot. You're going to be astonished by the difference between our show notes. Mine are in pencil and John's are in ink. That's, yeah, basically it. That's the main Ken's one. are legible and mine are not. John's have pentagrams they on them. often do. <laughs> uh, at even higher tiers, you can get an autographed copy of those show notes uh, mailed to you. Uh, or even uh, the ability to choose a show topic and rocket your preferred omnibus idea to the top of the queue. Yeah, we're going to try and make that as difficult as possible uh, (laughs) for you to achieve, but it is a perk. It may be collaborative if your idea is terrible or offensive, Uh, and uh, or even uh, video chats with the two of us. So go to patreon.com slash omnibus project, see what tempts you, what tickles your fancy, mm, what mm. craveable new benefits there are for mm. you to enjoy. Crave. Crave. My favorite word. Moist. Happy holidays, everyone. Receiving this message. We are Ken Jennings and John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is The Omnibus.
you have accessed entry 220.IS0108, certificate number 31503. The Christmas... Did I just pronounce the T in Christmas? Let's put the, the Christ back in Christmas. The Christmas Pickle. Uh, remember. I object to everything about this. So yesterday, when I told you I was looking for a holiday-themed show, and a listener had suggested The Christmas Pickle, do you remember what you said? I said, that's not a thing. You said, that's not a thing. (laughs) And yet here we are. (laughs) You are not wrong. It is not a thing, and yet it is a thing. At once. Schrodinger's the, ornament. The Christmas pickle, it feels like like you're pandering. You know, we've we've discovered that in our own time, the presentlings... There will be a slight edge to shows that have um, that have like great popular appeal, you know, like pop culture furries. stuff. Furries, a slight bump in listenership. Juggalos, and uh, the Christmas pickle feels like you're pandering. Really, you think there's a mass a mass <laughs> wave of love and support for? <laughs> is it Christmas or pickles or both? Well, I just feel like the Christmas pickle juxtaposition. But I'm, you know, I'm all ears. You want to hear about the littlest pickle that saved Christmas? Oh, it's little pickles. No, they're not. They're not cornichon. Oh, uh, cornichon. Would you be more into it if it was the Christmas cornichon? <laughs> no, because a Christmas cornichon. Do Noel? Like, I feel like, yeah, my family has creamed onions that they serve every Thanksgiving. Nobody eats them. I mean, I guess we all take like one desultory spoonful of creamed onions. The Christmas pickle is not edible. Were you under the impression that it was? Yes, and have, this just gets worse and Have worse. I just blown your mind already? <laughs> I mean, we, we should start by explaining to a far future audience that the- What it, Christmas it, is? In our time, yes. The yeah. greatest, the, 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 the biggest event on our calendar every year. The greatest story ever told. <laughs> <laughs> it all started in the town of Bethlehem. It's a, it's a confluence of the, a, a pagan winter solstice festival. Which I was just explaining to my daughter. I said, you know, the- it's going to keep getting darker because here in the Northwest, right? It gets dark after daylight savings time, which will be an omnibus entry. We for just sure. set our times or our clocks back. Um, it starts to get dark, super dark at what should be a reasonable hour. Like you look outside at four thirty, and you're like, "You have got to be kidding yeah. me!" Four thirty p.m. I've got stuff to do. I want to still be alive, and the and the sky is saying, "No, it is time to die." It's time to be indoor and cozy. It's time to be huge. So I was saying it's going to keep getting darker until the beginning of the new year. And she said, new year? And I said, no, the beginning of the real new year. New year itself is fake. Did you blow her mind? And she was like, huh? And I was like, the real new year. And she was like, Christmas? And I was like, no, it's the Christmas is kind of... Did you say Christmas is fake? I was like, Christmas <laughs> is jumping on the, the, the new year train, but it's really co-opting new year. We don't know when Jesus was born. December 25th. Presumably just, not December if shepherds are, are uh, out in the fields. Yeah, no, it's a, it, they're, they're co-opting the new year. And so we talked and talked and talked about how the way the earth revolves around. This may not be true for futurelings. They may be listening to this on a broadcast that makes it through the heavens. They may be listening to this show two billion years from now. The, earth, a, the earth may have tilted on its axis such that the days are the same length year round. The earth could be. They don't know what solstice even means. Could have fallen into the sun and futurelings are on a like seven star uh, calendar. You really need a good podcast to distract you when your planet has fallen into the sun. I'll say. Because it's, ba- it's, it's a lousy day. But so, so we know that Christmas is just like the way the Catholic saints usurped the Aztec gods. Christmas has usurped the pagan celebration of of uh, the the beginning of a solar year, and and kind of taken some of the uh, the cachet of a of a solstice festival and used it to become the primary quasi religious holiday in the West of our time. Even right. though on the merits, you would probably go Easter, maybe. Like, what's Jesus's biggest accomplishment? Oh, sure, Being right. born or right. literally coming back from the dead, the greatest miracle in history. I mean, it would it be— It depends I, on if you believe Mary's story. Which, <laughs> well, both both stories rely on miraculous <laughs> assumptions. So let's let's take that into account. 
But honestly, if you, uh, you know, a, a month long celebration about Easter or about Christmas and radio stations changing formats. Right. And it's uh, a month. You thousands you, of hours of, yeah, in, in stores, it's probably two to three. It's Christmas in, in, in October. T- 10 new Jennifer Love Hewitt Hallmark movies every year. Hmm. And yet Easter is uh, kind of an afterthought. It is because what we really are celebrating is the, the beginning of the year. The, the the days are getting longer. It's time to live again. It's, uh, yeah, it would be like celebrating, it would be like celebrating Washington's birthday and not caring about the 4th of July. Right. The best thing the founding fathers ever did. Was be born to. Come out of a, of a uterus. <laughs> like we, we don't actually care about any of their subsequent accomplishments. But through a weird coincidence of cultural factors, uh, Christmas is kind of the highlight of the year. Probably built around gift giving and kind of the ch- the impact it has on children. I would assume that's what it, it carries with you through life. You're always trying to recapture that childhood glow of surprise and novelty. But there is something I think innate in us the <clears throat> that responds to the paganism of it. The bringing a tree into the house. What's your tree uh, aesthetic here in the uh, in Casa Roderick? Do you do you have a real tree? I can't remember if we've talked about this. We've gone through many phases as a family. We had a real tree and and made a whole real tree out of it. Um, all through the you don't have to make a real tree out of it. It's, <laughs> it's already a real tree once you buy it. All through the the you know seventies and eighties and into the nineties. Then my mom, after she retired, went through like a little old lady white tree with pink. Uh, decoration. You got to do that. You can't, if you, once you're a, once you're an empty nester, you can't just be bringing in a big dug, uh, noble fir every right. year. No, she had a she had a little fake tree. Uh, but my sister is very Christmas positive. My mom and I are pretty Christmas neutral, and so for a while there, Susan lived in California, and my and one year, mom and I looked at each other and said, "Wait, we don't have to do this." And so we started celebrating Jewish Christmas, which is go to the movies and then have Chinese food. And we loved Jewish Christmas because we would go to the Chinese restaurant and all the rock people were there. It was amazing. <laughs> we'd walk in and it was Shanghai Garden. We'd walk in and it was, I, I would stop at every table Reunion like, hey, time. man, how's it going? Hey. What is it about these depraved rock stars that they don't want to just sit and open gifts with their loved ones? Well, because we all are, well, first of all, we're all Jewish. But second of all, we all you are. You alienated your loved ones. Yeah. We're just like, we don't want to do this. So we, had, mom and I had a great like five-year run. And then my sister moved back to town and reinstituted her Christmas regime. And then once my daughter was Well, I was about to born, say, you now have a child. You can't be blaming yeah, Susan so here. Now we're 100% back to noble fur in the house, decorated with all of our family ornaments. Real tree every year. Real tree. And, uh, I, and because, because we have a couple of households, I get a Charlie Brown Christmas tree for my house. And then we pick... One of the gathering houses, my mom's or my daughter's mother's or her parents, where we get a real tree that's the real that's where we're actually going to spend Christmas morning. So my house has a little tree that is decorated in a kind of intentionally like sad dad's tree. But it's a real it's not artificial. No, 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 it's real. John Roderick is a blockhead, but he did choose a pretty good tree. Yeah. But none of these trees would have a pickle on them, is that true? No, because if I ever put a pickle on a tree, first of all, don't put a pickle on a tree. But if I ever had, when you said Christmas pickle, I would have said, oh, that's totally a thing. Tell me your objection to a pickle on a tree. What, what, what Does it appear unchristmassy to you? Don't put a pickle on a tree. It just seems like the type of, it seems like an adage Is that it, a grandmother would say. Like it's bad luck? Yeah. Pickle just, on a tree? <laughs> uh, shipwreck at sea. <laughs> <laughs> it just feels like uh, one of these things is not like the other. Yeah. Uh, I guess one possible objection to it would be it has some kind of veneer of irony, right? Right. Check it out. I put up, it's not a sled or a snowman or it's a, a star. It's a pickle. Check it out. It's a nurk, pickle. Nurk, nurk. I guess it does make sense that during the winter, it's when we're eating pickled foods mm. because, right, the fresh foods have started to decay and That's all we true. have left are canned foods. Now you got a barn full of apples. A barn full of, yes, increasingly mealy apples, but we do put apples on trees. Why isn't the Christmas mealy apple? Uh, well, there, I mean, I think there was a time we, we hung apples on our trees. We have an apple. Yeah, apple trees. Well, actually, that's going to be a future entry in the omnibus, Ceausescu's 
uh, fake apple trees. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, actually. wait, wait for, wait for it. Who's the Romanian Johnny Appleseed? Oh, it's the guy. It's Ceausescu's advance man. <laughs> uh, Potemkin apples. We put cranberries. We put popcorn on trees. We've never done the real popcorn thing. Oh, it's the best. Do you actually make popcorn chains? Yeah, you you get a you big needle and thread, and you sit and and thread popcorn. On. Oh, it's really fun. Cranberries, we do it too. We we, we make them ourselves. You're a Lar Ingalls Wild character. Ingalls Wild character. We are. We're, you know, uh, winters in Alaska were long. We, we we're not one of the families that has the decor trees. I always objected to this. Like we're. And it might change from year to year. The the, the really well-off family on your block that has like a theme on their tree. What? You've never seen this? This no. year the tree is blue and, and pastel purple. Oh. Or this year it's all uh, angels from around the world. Or I feel like you need to... If you're not the White House, if you're not literally Jackie Kennedy, yeah. leave that alone. That feels a little mid-century modern. Hey there, it's Jonathan Strickland from Tech Stuff. Be sure to tune in to a very special episode of Tech Stuff that was recorded inside a Mazda CX-30 at the LA Auto Show, where I discuss all the ins and outs of human-centric design. While you're listening, be sure to check out the first-ever CX-30 at mazdausa.com iHeart, or better yet, to see the entire Mazda vehicle lineup, visit your local area Mazda dealer today. We just have a collection of increasingly yeah. fragile Christmas ornaments, some of them dating back to the teens, the 19-teens. Oh, these are family heirlooms? Yeah, all these old, like, Father Christmas riding a sled and things that have been broken and glued back together. A lot of Christmas ornaments that I made in elementary school in the 70s. So we have that issue. Ours are all from the 20-teens, and it's popsicle stick my <laughs> Stuff my kids made in daycare, and they want to put it out, and I'm like, "Oh, that's a good one. Here's a good spot for that yeah, one." Way in the back. On the back. The problem with them is that teachers don't intervene <laughs> and explain to kids, like, if you make a Christmas ornament that's a foot tall, <laughs> right? That looks like it was made by a four-year-old. Nobody's going to want it, sweetie. Just it, make a small thing. I'm going to run for the school board, and my platform is <laughs> teachers making ornaments either have to make clear that these are for the fridge and not the tree, right? or the teacher will be fired, summarily fired. The, the, foot, the foot tall ones are for the fridge, and then they go right into the shredder. Yeah. It, it, you made this out of construction paper. It's literally not going to, it's it not an not error. It will not last the years. But they used to, we used to do little clay things, oh, and sure. little stars, and you know, I still have, I still have a lot of those. Uh, but, but Naria, a pickle? I mean, there's a culinary objection. You, I mean, you point out that pickles are a preserved food and therefore plausibly a winter food. Right. Um, but in the West, at least, our Christmas aesthetic does not – it's not It's not that chutney-based. No, there's not a lot you of savory sour. You don't eat a lot of – exactly. Christmas food is bland yeah. comfort food. It's, Although cranberries are sour. That's true. But cranberry they, sauce. But it's sweetened up. Yeah, it is. There's a lot I of I mean, sugar. you're right. The cranberry sauce is the closest thing to a pickle that we would eat on a – as part of a Christmas spread. And we're going to get letters from people who eat beets, and I, I don't care to read yeah, them. Yeah, no, no, no. And creamed onions are not pickled. They're creamed. You put the French fried onions on top of the creamed green beans, and you've made the blandest vegetable <laughs> dish. <laughs> not, think about Christmas. You pick yeah. you pick the blandest thing, turkey, and then you it's not bland enough yet, so you stuff it with white bread. Oh, now wait. What about that's, – that's a Thanksgiving meal. Do you ever have a ham or a boof, a, a, a roast yeah, I guess, beef? Yeah, I guess roast – but think about – it's the same thing. Roast beef and Yorkshire pudding. Yeah, that's it's, right. It's big, flowery, Gravy. tasteless foods with flowery gravies on them. Yeah. I feel like we're often a turkey on Christmas family, but there's nothing wrong with duck or goose or ham or roast beef. Yeah, roast I beast. feel like we sometimes try and do a roast beef, and it's just not successful. All I want is a – I want turkey dinner and – Basically, I want Thanksgiving dinner every once every, a week, you, all uh, year long. You are an adult, and you could have that. Yes, but I don't want to cook a turkey and stuffing and <laughs> mashed potatoes every week. I don't have a meat thermometer. <laughs> yeah, right. So pickles seem antithetical to the spirit of Christmas in a couple ways. Well, uh, and pickles are hilarious. Let's be honest. If you if you take a pickle, let's consider the pickle. Consider the pickle. It is hilarious. Interrogate the pickle. Uh, pickle is funny. The word is funny. It's, it's got a, a comedy K in the middle. It's a funny word. It is a funny thing to eat. Uh, I, I'm talking about pulling a pickle out and eating it like an apple. 
is it's just funny. It's, it looks like a cigar. It looks like a dildo. It's a little phallic. There's there's that. It is a sour cucumber. Everything about it is funny. Now, sliced pickles on a hamburger, which are, are a thing I can't abide. I guess when I say that it's not bland, like what I'm really saying is that pickles are delicatessen food and therefore Jewish. Oh, is that right? right? Okay, so they are. They are kind of ethnic food, right? Right. It seems like it's it's popping up here in our Anglo Saxon Christmas, and it, you know you might as well have. Sure, you might as well be actually serving delicious food. You might as well have pastrami and mango, <laughs> mango lassies. But but you, but you're right. Like pastrami on rye is what goes with a pickle. Yeah. Um, and it's not. It's not. You don't have pickles with turkey. But you are not aware of the tradition of a of a. a particular pickle ornament on a tree having some kind of ritual function. Oh, it's an ornament. We're not talking about like Santa doesn't put a pickle in your stocking. If you were, if you, if you did sex crimes. Do you, do you get nuts and fruit in your stockings? Does Santa put nuts and fruit in your stockings? No. Uh, Santa in our house is more candy based. The bottom third of my Christmas stocking, my entire life has been unshelled walnuts um, it's always the 1870s in, at John's house, <laughs> and like filberts, and uh, we did that as tangerines. I think uh, we're apples. not a, we're not above a fruit in the toe because you need a nice round item in the toe of the stocking, or else it bulges. In I'm saying the ways. bottom third of my stocking is old people food. Unsh- Sometimes unshelled pear, nuts, unshelled nuts that we then spend the whole the whole present opening period. We're all cracking walnuts. Well, that's fun. It's fun. It's a food with a participation element. It is Consider weird, the walnut. Though. It does feel like something you would do on a sleigh ride. <laughs> That's I, People like the uh, old-timey element of Christmas, but pushing against that, you have kind of the introduction of, of new, in this case, postmodern trends and fads. The, the, uh, Aluminum the tra- Christmas tree. The tradition such as it is around a Christmas pickle would be that there's one pickle ornament hidden on the tree and on Christmas morning, as part of the surprises of Christmas, the stockings having been filled and the presents laid under the tree, also a pickle has been hung on the tree, and the child who finds the Christmas pickle has some uh, pickle-related privileges attached. Maybe they get to open the first present, or they get a special gift. It's like finding the um, the Scandinavian coin or whatever it is in your Christmas caca or wh- yeah. whatever... Whatever, whatever, <laughs> whatever baked pastry thing you you eat. So you become a member of the order of the pickle somehow yes. by finding the pickle. You are the holder of the garter. You are the pickle king of the day. Interesting of the season. Well, a pickle. I guess if you were going to pick a thing, if you're going to pickle a thing that you could hide on a tree, it's green. It's green. It looks sort of like it belongs in the tree. I guess. Yeah, is it? But it's not a cornichon. It's a full size pickle. It's pickle scale. It's it's one to one scale pickle. And it's a shellacked ornament pickle. It's not a yes. Dad didn't take a pickle out of the Vlasic jar and thread it and hang it. It's a hollow, blown glass, hand painted pickle in most cases. And there's a series of uh, if you look, if you try to in- investigate, if you try to consider the Christmas pickle, consider the Christmas pickle. You will find a series of uh, kind of half-baked folk theories, mostly online, trying to explain. Wait a minute, there are half-baked folk theories online. You have to look. You have to go to the dark web. Okay. Because normally you just I'm get there. good, upstanding content. You get. I'm behind twelve proxies. You get brands, uh, but if you go to the dark web, you will find people explaining the historical basis for the Christmas pickle. Um, these theories would include the story of one, uh, a Civil War story. Consider, if you will, Private John Lauer of the 106th Pennsylvania Infantry. He's got a fife. He's got a drum. He's writing plaintive letters home to his his new wife, Hannah. Margarita. (laughs) I'll miss you so much. He is of Bavarian instruction, so it's more like, Margarita? (laughs) I miss you exceedingly. Uh, He is sent to... As the story goes, sent to Andersonville Prison, uh, you know, a notorious Confederate prison camp in 1864 after being captured. 
And this That's is, his first mistake. This, right. <laughs> <laughs> this is his historical record that there was a Pennsylvania private of German-American extraction sent to Anderson in the late 64. But according to the family tradition, apparently, of this clan, his life was saved when he was, you know, starving to death on Christmas Day and asked his guard— Someone shot him and the a pickle in his pocket caught the bullet? <laughs> yes. He had a brass pickle, <laughs> as was the style of brass the time. Brass pickle. That funky pickle. <laughs> no, he had no pickles of any kind— as a result, was starving, and a kindly guard gave him a pickle on Christmas Day. Oh. And so part of the family lore when he was returned uh, home safely to his beloved Margareta yeah. was that, uh, you know, from thenceforth, the Christmas tradition would be pickles. And to this day, if you go to Andersonville uh, camp, if you're, if you're thrown into prison— yeah. By, by Georgia Confederates <laughs> by, for tearing down a statue or something. <laughs> no, if you if you visit the National Park Service property at Andersonville around Christmas time, because what can be better for the holidays sure. than a Confederate prison camp? Lana, boys! You will see a tree in the lobby decorated with pickles. They have embraced this this myth and, and sell ornaments based around it. Oh, so they have gone the whole hog and the tree is entirely decorated 100% pickles. pickles thus thus uh kind of defeating the who can find the hidden pickle purpose i would think though that it would be that if you went to some amish town in pennsylvania it would they they would have a pickle fest not that the confederates would uh, although i guess george is a weird pa- place for a pickle fest and it's a and it's a uh, and i guess the story makes the confederate guard look good Ah, uh, yeah, it's one right. of these. It's one of these the stately manners of the old South yeah. kind of things. Listen, it wasn't all bad. The Civil War wasn't about slavery; it was about pickles. <laughs> like on the one hand, we did starve tens of thousands of Union prisoners. Sure, 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 sure. When you say we, you mean they? I'm saying your your hilarious Southern oh, accent. Oh, I see. Deputy okay. Dog character. On the one doing. hand, <laughs> we did starve about a hundred thousand American. But on the other hand, on in the other typical hand, courtly fashion, we, we did provide. One pickle. Christmas pickles, at least to this one guy, this one time. Other attempts to tie pickles back to the holiday season have included. <laughs> I just feel, I just feel, okay, let's tie some pickles back to the Christmas tradition. Uh, it comes back to a story of, uh, you know, maybe, the, I don't even know, the second or third centuries, you know, go back to antiquity where. Ancient a, times. A shopkeeper, uh, an evil shopkeeper in the Turkish town of Myra. Pickled or killed three little boys. Now, why? Because he's an evil shopkeeper. Sure, of course. He's got motive, means, and opportunity. Well, and the thing is, in in classical antiquity, uh, shopkeepers were the evil one, uh, were widely regarded as the evilest class. I don't want to say every shopkeeper in Myra Turkey was equally evil, right? But this guy is the is the evil Walmart of of Myra Turkey. I've been to Myra Turkey, and in my case, the shopkeepers were very nice. You went? To, did you go to the the bazaar or souk? I did. And they were all delightful. They were great. Did you did you bargain with them? I was welcomed as a as a returning son. Well, uh, you were lucky not to have been there a few thousand years earlier, when apparently it was routine to kill three children hmm. and to put their bodies into a pickle barrel. Hmm. Now we can only speculate why this would have been done. Well, to conceal them from the is it a authorities. Hiding, is it a hiding place? He has he has a, a, he I guess he has a shop full of barrels. If one of them has boys, the thing is, if you put. Boys in a pickle barrel. Dead boys in a pickle barrel. Dead boys in a pickle barrel. They are less likely. That's my country band. <laughs> they are less likely. Yeah, that's right. Three dead boys in a pickle barrel. Less likely to to make a stink. Well, right, because they, they might make a pickled. literal stink. They, but no, they are preserved. Oh, I see. They're preserved rather than uh, rather than decaying. I wonder if there's any implication that this guy. You know, in making salt pork out of human flesh, may have plans to eat or sell them later. Is this a Sweeney Todd scenario? Oh, I see. Where he's, you know, he's going to make fake salt cod or salt pork, but it's really the three pickled boys. Mm. Now, this is a famous story because uh, they're they are saved in miraculous fashion by who? The dead boys. <laughs> the dead boys are saved. It's a Christmas miracle, John. <laughs> the Bishop of Myra at this time is the future Saint Nicholas. Oh, sure. And I know one him. of the reasons why I know him from his churches. You know his work. Yeah. One of the reasons why he's the patron saint of children is because of this miracle in which he went to the barrel and in miraculous fashion raised up the children back to life. Pulled them out by their ankles one at a time and sh- uh, shook uh, shook the pickle juice off them. Ho, 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 ho. <laughs> and they were like reanimated. Gave them all a Christmas present and sent them on their way. And so, so they're Turkish pickle zombie boys. Yes, but no. I they, don't, I've, I've been to a lot of uh, Rus- Russian Orthodox and Greek Orthodox churches. I've never seen this. In the biblical tradition, when people are, when say a Lazarus is brought back from the dead, 
uh, he's, he's not, not he's not a spooky zombie-like figure. I see. He's just happy to be back. Right. Right. He's, it's as if time has been reversed. But these are little boys. They don't know enough to be happy. They're, I'm sure they were like, thanks, mister, and ran off getting into trouble they, they again. They kick Santa in the shins and <laughs> run off. <Yeah. laughs> this, is a, this is a pretty famous incident of uh, sacred history, hmm. and in particular because it's kind of funny. You know, Benjamin Britten wrote a cantata about St. Nicholas, in which this is one of the events. And every Christmas, you know, the three pickled boys get up and sing their little, we're the three pickled boys from school. And it's a big hit with audiences. <laughs> we're pickled boys from school, are we? So there's a suggestion that maybe the the fact that pickles at Christmas could be a, a, a reference to this barely remembered story about St. Nicholas. But it would be it would be an Eastern Orthodox tradition in that case, right? Because St. Nicholas is much more revered. Yeah, but when St. Nicholas becomes Santa... You see what I'm saying I here. I get it now. You know, our modern Santa has a lot more to do with with you know, the secular the, the pagan Father Christmas right. or even 20th century advertising and then it, and magazine illustration than it does with a particular religious figure. But the roots come from So why Saint Nicholas. is there not a string of pickles around Santa's neck from the get-go? Mrs. Claus doesn't like them. She does not want to kiss a a, a pickle-smelling man. She probably doesn't even like the beard. Hmm. Can you really say that? You know, a lot of people talk smack about beards, but in my experience, ladies love a bearded guy. They want guy. an itchy beard kiss. Not itchy. It's, you know, it's soft if you let it grow a little. Let's say you have the option, soft, of, like you have the option of kissing two people. <laughs> Me? Yes. One has a beard, one does not. Who, whom do you choose? I personally would prefer a, beard, a beardless person of any gender. But, over a bearded person of any gender. But you think apparently that's not universally held. Mm. Well, it's all about um, proclivities. Santa has no children. Maybe Mrs. Claus. Maybe that's why they have all the elves. They're all like the one of these sad, children. childless couples who get uh, uh, King Charles Cavalier Spaniels. I think it, I think it borders down, uh, boils down to, are you someone who is attracted to people smaller than you or bigger than you? I see. And the beard increases the bigness. metaphorical bigness of a head. Right. So I am attracted to people smaller than me, and I want them beardless, whereas people who are attracted to people bigger than them might want a beard. Then why don't you have a big, bushy Tevya beard? Increase your bigness two or threefold. <sighs> it's, a good, it's a good point. I think I'm waiting. Just as I'm waiting to read the works of Shakespeare, uh, I'm saving that for a time that I may or may not end up in prison— I'm also waiting to cross a certain age threshold where I can safely abandon trying to be appealing. David Letterman. In a general I'm way. I'm not going to be on TV every night. Yeah. What's the best way to express that? Yeah. Letterman has lost all grip with reality, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to arrive at, at that station in life. But I still feel like I need to, you know, I need to show up where I look. I don't know, somewhat presentable, some, somewhat electable. I still <laughs> electable, just in case, just in case. If nominated, I will serve. <laughs> I mean, Letterman also famously is self-loathing. He wants to see a right. face in the mirror that does not remind him of David Letterman. Right. So it's a he's hiding. Look, I'm not. You're uh, not hiding. Well, I'm not above that though. I'm self-loathing enough that I would like to not. I would like to look in the mirror and not see John. Do Roderick. you consider your beard a disguise? Yes. Well, not a disguise, but certainly it's an article mask. of clothing. A mask. Would you wear a Max Headroom? mask uh no <laughs> so there are these kind of these stories are clearly spurious there's no actual evidence for either of them is that right clearly spurious because i was taken in by both i'm well you can't be taken in by both <laughs> well sure i mean it's in a, turn what in turn right one, one of them <laughs> i uh, briefly believed in the andersonville one and then the no, saint but, nicholas one really knocked my socks off but i feel like the the andersonville one could recapitulate the the the, the turkish the do saint think, nicholas one do you think one? the guard is like well if we all remember the story of the Bishop of Myra. Thing, a lot of Southern uh, gentility was based in knowing all those Bible stories and, and all the addenda. I do recall. <laughs> As St. Nicholas once said. Uh, most of the traditions center around the fact that pickles seem Central European to us. And, right. and a lot of our old world Christmas traditions come to us from Central Europe. The fact that we would put an evergreen tree in our living room seems like something you would do in the Alps. Right, right, right. right. Uh, uh, possibly even a pre-Christian era. 
And possibly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't. Th- you don't think you could show your devotion to the Judeo-Christian God by cutting down a fir tree and putting it in your house? Definitively, that's the main thing he wants. Yeah. When he speaks to Moses or, or to man in general, often he says, "God is like, why have you no? Where's your tree? Why have you no fir tree in your living room? Yeah. Where? where I don't want you to keep it in a pot. I want a dead tree, get a the, dying tree. Get the unappealing skirt to catch the needles." <laughs> <laughs> Place thereon cheap uh, red balls from Target. So most of the most of the uh, discourse around the Christmas pickle goes back to the German tradition. The discourse of the pickle goes back to the German tradition of the Weihnachtsgurke. Oh, the Weihnachtsgurke. Sure, uh, 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 presumably some kind of night pickle. What does Wei mean? I don't know. Uh, well, let's see. Weimar is a town where the. <laughs> Sure, it's a Weimar night pickle. Uh, yeah, Weinacht. Does Weinacht mean uh, Holy Night or Christmas Eve? Or? Yeah, well, the, the, so there's the the sounds- Weinacht market, which is the Christmas night market. Oh, perfect. So it's some kind of Christmas market pickle. It's a Christmas market pickle. Oh, uh, well, wait a minute. Uh, it's the Christ Kindle market. Sure. Which is Kreischel Market. It's one of those beloved German Christmas markets that... Sure. I, we we actually have been considering um, uh, going to Germany for uh, for Christmas just to show uh, that we're internationalist. The problem with this tradition of the Weihnachtsgurke, uh, of, you know, German pickle Christmas, is that it does not appear to actually exist. Oh, Weihnachten is Christmas Eve. There we go. There it is. Perfect. So the idea of the Christmas Eve pickle, which we all say, ah, oh, of course, it's a Bavarian thing, and we assume Pennsylvania Dutch of some kind, not actually true. Uh, a 2016 poll of Germans asking them about the Weihnachtsgurke found that um, 91% of them had never heard of it. Huh. And well, and Germans are notoriously uh, poll accurate. Yes, they, they, love like an- they love answering surveys. They do. Uh, they don't like the polls. They like to invade the polls. Oof, but they also like to, they like to they like to answer polls. Oh, I do have a bell for that. Ding. Do, do we have a Christmas bell here? No, a Christmas harmonica. <laughs> what if, is that the new tradition? <laughs> that, that's the note too. The the okay, Ken, I give you this one. Oh, can can no, you play I any carols do it twice. on that? Um, let's see. Oh, I got it upside down. Isn't that Swanee River? That's not a Christmas carol, John. If there was a gun to my head, I could not tell you what Christmas Carol that was. <laughs> While shepherds watch their flocks by night. I'm super bad at the harmonica. Is uh, let's see, uh, like um, um, uh... <laughs> no, I need to practice more. Well, I by hope you, this, by I this hope time you all next enjoy year. Those beloved Christmas standards, John Roderick, everybody. <laughs> um, when I was a kid in the eighties, we had the, the we had this Christmas pickle on our tree. No, you did not. We did. No, you did not. And we very nearly we came within a whisker of having one on our current tree in adulthood as well. In a, Korea, yes, you had a Christmas tree. Well, it was it was kimchi. It wasn't. It was pickled cabbage. Uh huh. And you hung a Christmas pickle. Yes, on it. Some relative, I think, had sent it to us with and, probably with a little uh, leaflet explaining the beloved tradition of the Weimarkskirka and how fun it is. And you and your siblings raced to the tree before opening the presents, before marveling at the bounty from Santa, you sought the Christmas pickle. I don't believe we ever actually did the tradition. We just thought, ha, ah, it's so funny there's a pickle on the tree. We. I am so sorry that I missed a Jennings family Christmas in the 80s. A couple years ago, we were at a, um, a, ch- a church congregation Christmas party. And this is, by the way, this is everything you need to know about Mormon culture. Okay, wait a the, minute. Let me get a pencil. Write this down, future. If, if if nothing if nothing of this one true faith tradition survives, know this about the 21st century Mormons. There was going to be an ugly sweater contest. Everyone was invited to wear a Christmas sweater. But we, was this a was this church wide or was this just a, at your? Yeah, this came from Salt Lake. The decree came out. <laughs> ugly sweater contest. That all the world must. No, this was a fun idea for I our see. for our Christmas party. I see. You guys know how to have fun. Uh, but no, we were not allowed to call it an ugly sweater party. There was concern that the winner 
might be sad that they had been called, that their sweater had been called out as being ugly. Oh, they that they showed up g- genuinely, sincerely wearing a sweater that, that they'd made or the, their that mother they wore made. A, a, an over the top Christmas sweater and were called ugly. That was oh. the you know the, we needed a, a more gentle, less hurtful version of this. And so you called. It, it. was just a sweater contest. That means that means nothing. It, it does. It means literally nothing. I could win any sweater contest. Given anywhere. Why didn't you come? I have so many baller sweaters. In this case, my daughter wore uh, a delightful kind of a, it was more of a poncho than a sweater, but kind of a knitted thing that looked like something Mrs. Claus might wear with big buttons and fake fur lining on the sleeves. And she won her age bracket at the not necessarily ugly sweater contest. So not ugly at all, but a charming sweater. Right. Good thing they didn't call it ugly. She would have cried like a baby. Mm. Uh, And she was given her prize, which was a a pickle you would hang on the tree. And this particular one played music. uh, I I can't remember what Christmas air it played. This is a car crash of of. Like Terrible non-Christmas uh, Christmas stuff. It was somebody's idea of a funny Christmas present, which again, like I remember this from my childhood in the 80s. This is now a tradition with 30 to 40 years of bogus history behind it. Your Christmas pickle was not musical. No, but this one wasn't. It was That was a step too far for my children. And it played what? <sighs> I want to say... At Rescue Mary Gentle Pickles? Oh, Tannenbaum. Oh, sure. Maybe. Okay. You know, something appropriate like that. Sure. Get back to the, its East Europe roots. And my kids were... So angry at this tacky Christmas ornament. They were just old enough to be appalled. They they knew that this was in bad taste and not old enough to enjoy the campiness. That's the thing about there is a moment in childhood where you develop the capacity to be appalled. My daughter is still too young to be appalled, but there will come a day when she when she can bear it no longer. And we have passed the age where we enjoy these this aesthetic that appalls children. Like mm-hmm. we've come around full circle. Mm-hmm. So it's the it's the eternal struggle. It's this is what the generation gap is. Um so we have never actually hung this on our tree, but we probably have it in the garage somewhere. Uh the tradition of the Christmas pickle, I think I have traced pretty definitively to one man. If you hang a Christmas pickle in a doorway, and you meet another coming through, coming through the rye, what do you, what are you obligated to do? And you're thinking because it's a mistletoe-like placement, Mm -hmm. it would be some kind of tradition. But do you have to give like a super sloppy kiss or is it like you have to stick your tongue up your your, uh, partner's nose? Well, I mean, you mentioned the phallic shape of the pickle. Yeah. So it's, it's, I would say don't hang it. Don't do it. Like you don't know what's going to develop. Because there's like a fraudage component. What's going to (laughs) develop underneath that pickle? You don't want to know. So if we're going to trace the Christmas pickle back to its genesis, I think you have to go back to Genesis. You have to go back to the Book of Genesis. (laughs) (laughs) The Tower of Babel was a giant pickle (laughs) on the sixth day built to heaven. (laughs) No, uh, to Spokane, Washington, in 1975. Hello, are we back in your wheelhouse? Yeah. Well, Expo 76, 74. Expo 74. Oh yeah, Spokane did have some kind of World's Fair, right? Yeah, in 74. So this may have been the eyes of the world were upon Spokane in 1975. uh, A local Spokanian. Spokanite. Do you think it's Spokanite? Sp- uh, well, that's what we awful. call them. Sp- spokesman? Spokesperson? Sp- well, the spoke the the newspaper in Spokane is the Spokesman Herald Review. I the Spokane Sp- Spokanian Spok- Sp- Spokanite. The Spokanthropomorphic. Nope. I don't Spok- know. The Spokanians. Uh, a, a local resident named Tim Merck had recently graduated from the University of Idaho mm-hmm. with a degree. Because Spokane's basically part of Idaho. He probably got in-state tuition. <laughs> we like to think that northern Idaho is part of Spokane, but yeah. Uh, he had majored in European history and international diplomacy. So sure. he's, he's clearly going places. <laughs> Famous Idaho uh, <laughs> Institute of Technology topics. He appears to have some... So the AP story on Tim that I found from the mid eighties has a sentence you will never hear before since a Spokane native Merck wanted to stay in his hometown. (laughs) This is not a sentiment you will have heard before (laughs) since, (laughs) but despite having this degree in international diplomacy, he wanted to do something in Spokane. So he uses his knowledge of Europe to open an antique store. He Uh, came, he came, he went to, well, so remember university of Idaho is in Moscow. Oh, so you think he's some kind of fellow. I'm not saying that he's some kind of, Pinko fellow I'm traveler. Saying. <laughs> so he opens an antique store. Now, I arrived in Spokane in 1986, 
Was this antique store still there? Because I went to a lot of antique stores. By that time, his antique store had become a major international business. Okay. Uh, he, he had, um, you know, he used his European background to travel back and forth to Europe, finding likely antiques. The problem is that the worst season for antiques is Christmas. What? What about all those German Christmas markets? Aren't they selling antiques there? They're selling freshly made antiques, oh, I guess. Sure. I mean, the problem is that antiques are something you buy for fun for you. Yeah. And at Christmas, you're buying things on a schedule I for see. others. I sure, sure, sure. And you don't want to. You don't want to take a risk of like, I got right. you this weird old thing. Maybe you do. I do. Do you I, give? Do you give globes to I people? I do. I give weird gifts, uh, weird antique gifts, and people are always like, "Great." Hey, Miles. Hey. It's me, Jack. <laughs> right here. Right next to you, buddy. Right next to me. Yeah, usual. just like at work. Hey, uh, I wanted to join with you to tell people uh, <laughs> to tune in to a very special episode, special app yeah. of TDZ, the yeah. Daily Zeitgeist. Well, this is actually, look, I know you saw the social media. You mm-hmm. saw us at the LA Auto Show. You said, what are these two juggernauts of podcasting doing there? <laughs> when Mazda calls me up and they say, Miles... We know that you're a loyal Mazda owner. We want to align with you mm. because you get it. Yes. I said, you know what? I'm willing to answer the call and help ding, ding. Help people understand the power of it. So what we did is we actually got to record a special episode inside the new Mazda CX-30 uh, where we talked about kind of like flow states and yeah. feeling alive and how we feel alive. What makes us feel alive? Yeah. It was really dope to actually record inside the car. I got to press a lot of buttons and make them mad because they're like, please don't fumble around in here. Yeah, but I said, I'm a it. child. I like to explore. Yeah. Uh, nonetheless, if you actually want to check out the first ever CX-30, check it out at MazdaUSA.com slash iHeart. Or if you're trying to check it up IRL, then pull up to the local dealership today. So he started up you know, with this in mind that, uh, you know, at the time when everybody else's business was booming, he has to sit sadly in an empty store and watch people buy crap, he decided he needed to have some kind of counter business for the holidays. So he opens, uh, a, I guess, maybe a second store, a second business called Old World Christmas. Okay. Where he's, he goes to, he uses his, his uh, antiquing expertise to head out to Bavaria and adorn this Christmas part of his business with nutcrackers right. and tree ornaments. Um, there's, you know, in Southern Germany, kind of on the border of, what Austria Austrians. and what's today the Czech Republic. Right. Um, you know, that's kind of the the wellspring of all the world's Christmas kitsch. Uh-huh. And they're... Bohemia. It, exactly. A lost art of Bohemia, a nearly lost folk art of Bohemia are these blown glass Christmas ornaments. Well, as we know, Bohemia and Moravia are, bl- are glass centers, but the pickles are a thing I... I mean, it it passed me by. I may have seen a hundred glass blown pickles, but I didn't. My eye did not register them. There were probably few to no, no glass blown pickles in Moravia. Okay. Um, there were, you know, uh, so this this art is a glass blowing art, but you blow the glass into these ceramic molds, which is how it comes out looking like an angel or. Right. A, a star or whatever the shape is. Right. Um, so it's light enough to hang on a tree, but and then it's hand painted. But, uh, but I guess making these ceramic molds is very hard. Like the, it's a semi lost technology of how to get the layers just right. Right. So that you can, you know, how to fire everything just right. So that it'll work in a glass blowing context. And I guess wor- the combination of world war two and then the Soviet occupation kind of killed off this industry. I mean, that killed off a lot more than just the glass pickle industry. But most seriously, <laughs> no. in addition to all the other casualties of World War II, glass ornaments. And uh, so in one of his trips to Bavaria, Tim Merck found somebody that had, you know, 2,000 of these old molds and thought this would be huge in the U.S. So he turns his antique store into basically a full-time Christmas business, a showroom for his wholesale business where he sells glass-blown Christmas instruments, Christmas ornaments all over the country and all over the world. And, uh, you know, and a lot of these are familiar novelty designs. It's a Santa or a stocking or, or whatever would have conveyed Christmas in early 20th century Bohemia. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are like new novelty designs that he chooses each year. Uh, some of them don't take off. For example, among these molds, 
he there are lots of third reich <laughs> designs u-boats no swastikas no really absolutely true whoa so he realized and this is the the wehrmacht gurkha i guess you know, <laughs> he, you know he realizes there is no market for this and does not dabble in third reich christmas trees. i absolutely would hang a u-boat Christmas ornament. Well, cons- Not if it had any swastika. Well, consider how it. close to northern Idaho he is. I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe he's <laughs> the, maybe he's rejecting one of his biggest markets. Sure, the Hayden Lake uh, Christmas resurgence. But but he's not above kind of choosing. Um, kind of kitschy, ironic new things. Mm-hmm. He uh, One year, he thinks it'll be great to have like a lady's leg in a stocking. And mm-hmm. this appears to predate a Christmas story, but a leg in a stocking with a garter. And he orders thousands of these thinking this is going to be... Well, that was the a hot new a, item, a popular lamp right. design, right? The, I, but I think this might be—is this before the leg lamp thing? I, I don't know. Anyway, he uh, sells like twelve of them and still has a warehouse full of right, right. of sexy Christmas legs. Um, but one item that really takes off is the pickle he introduces one year, and it, he he pitches it as a joke gift, you know, because it's it's the funniest thing in the catalog, and it quickly becomes their top-selling item. For 37, now almost 40 years in a row, it's Old World Christmas's bestseller is a, is a hand-painted pickle. Really? Because Last year, he sold 25,000 of these. Because it comports with a certain kind of sense of humor in the United States, right? It's, it's a kind of, uh, this era would have been sort of peak Garfield, <laughs> uh, peak, peak uh, Farside, it's a Bloom County reference. Yeah, sort of thing that that uh, that Americans. It's subversive, but it's Reagan era subversive. Yeah, it's actually quite uh, universal. Everybody's got pickles in their fridge. Yeah, and it's kind of it's like a it's a harmless, but but it's risque in a way that it's, it's you could introduce at a at there's a, plausible deniability yeah, at to a, any risque. A, like a Mormon friendly sweater competition. It sells very well, he says, with pregnant moms. Of course, they love pickles. Famously, pickles and ice cream. Craving for pickles. It's the sign of pregnancy. Right. So you so if somebody's you know if, if there's a baby shower around Christmas or a baby gifting opportunity around Christmas, what could be better? A glass pickle. than a pregnancy themed Christmas tree ornament. Um, so this catches on. He, it becomes a media sensation and he quickly attaches it to this German, this, you know, putative German tradition. Now, where did the pickle mold come from in the first place? This is what I really would like to know because he kind of implies that you can't make these new molds and that, you know, he has to repurpose old molds if he wants to, to, to introduce a new design. Um, so maybe they had pickles on hand, but not for Christmas. Were they making other kinds of foods for like a, a dish of fake oh. vegetables where you of blown glass, maybe? Sure, I could see that. That might be a thing. Like, so he so he tells them, and the quote in the paper is when I told the German, I like how he just calls his contact the German. The German. He's right? a, he's a John LeCarre character now. <laughs> I've spoken to the German. When I told the German I wanted the pickle done, he thought I was crazy. Ha! So the Germans are like, no, 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 this is not an ornament. Not, let, let me explain. Yeah. And, and he says, no, no, this is what I want. Like, uh, this is going to be great. And he's not wrong. It, it catches the media's eye. Um, there's a big pickle industry in America. So now there's a, a corporate force behind it. You know, a town in Michigan called Berrien Springs, which is where all the pickle farms, well, I guess the cucumber farms and the pickling plants Right. They, they They have the... They they're making they're making cucumbers and vinegar, and they were and somebody was That's all you need. Somebody was walking along eating a cucumber, tripped, <laughs> fell into a vat, and said, "Wait a minute, you got dill in my cucumber vat." Uh, yeah, so they they start a festival in the 1990s called the Christmas Pickle Festival, playing on the popularity of Merck's novelty item. Okay, and then the pickle packing pickle pickle packing international, the hard to pronounce uh, <laughs> trade group, sure, of, PPI of the American. <laughs> of the American pickle industry uh, embraces this and declares Berrien Springs the Christmas pickle capital of the world. Which sure. I, w- no one was competing for that title well, until then. Spokane should have been. Well, and there, I'm sure there were a bunch of towns that were like, dang! We almost, why didn't we think of this? Gah! So uh, we've gotten to a point where, uh, and then this whole manufactured history gets attached to it. I think, I think old world Christmas, actually, when they sell you a Christmas pickle, there's a little leaflet reassuring you about what a delightful old world tradition you've, you're, you're buying into. And in fact, it was all just generated by this one guy. He's, he's a bit of a Christmas huckster. So have we reached peak pickle? <laughs> he's still selling 25,000 of these a year. People now think this is, is a tradition. 
And I guess it, it you know, sure. I, it is a tradition, it right? Is. We've now been doing this for, for 30 years or so. And, but, but we've invented enough of a fake backstory mm-hmm. that, that we can convince people who wouldn't think, who wouldn't put a humorous pickle on their tree. Right. Now your grandma and grandpa will do it, I right. guess. Because the pickle symbolizes, uh, or it's some kind of old world Old world pickle. I mean, it's true that all traditions, even all Christmas traditions, had to be manufactured at some point. Right. Some some druid in his jute in his jute underwear cut down a tree and brought it inside because he thought it would please the mountain gods or whatever. Uh, you know, somebody had to invent that. Sure. Rudolph, no one knows who they were. No <laughs> or what <laughs> they were doing. <laughs> On, you know, weirdly, this is often a, a mark against Kwanzaa from a certain kind of angry. Oh, because Blow it's a man- radio manufactured uh, holiday. You are, you're all saying this is an African tradition. No, it right. was just some college professor in the late 70s. And that's absolutely true. It was a professor of, of you know, black studies right. who wanted to- Im- Oh, we should do an episode on Kwanzaa, right. if we dare. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what the world needs. <laughs> which, one will, which one of us will lead that conversation? What do these two guys <laughs> think about- Kwanzaa. And, and, but the fact is there was never any kind of deception. Like the Kwanzaa guy was trying to start sure. a new festival embodying certain kinds of, uh, you know, a certain principles and morals. Sure. That's how Lollapalooza got it. <laughs> I think it was the same guy. <laughs> that didn't exist did, before. Did Terry Farrell invent Kwanzaa? <laughs> but like, you know, something as foundational to our holidays as Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. That's like a single novelty song. Wait, that's not in the Bible? As recently as that. It's not even in, it's not even in, uh... Courier and Knives. Yeah, or Twas the Night Before Christmas. Like, there's a canonical list of eight reindeer, and the joke of the song is, it's it's the pickle joke. Right. Here's a new weird one... Right. ...that you don't know about. You know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen, and it's sung by a wash it up country star in 1950, and it's a novelty record. Right. And, and look at us now. Look at us now. It's It's just embedded in everything we believe about our biggest religious festival. It would be as if some washed up, I don't know, like, like Gene Autry's movie career was almost over in the early 50s when he recorded Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. So it would be like if Bruce Willis or somebody recorded, right. <laughs> what's a modern novelty song? Recorded all about that bass. <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly, within a decade, uh, it was it was a Christmas anthem. Well, it's interesting because there is a, a theme uh, that runs through Christmas of an of the underdog, right? The little drummer boy, yes. The little matchstick girl, and it, it, all these TV specials where Christmas needs to be saved, and it's not by it's the Rudolph thing. It's Rudolph. It's right? not by the big mean reindeer. It's by the little guy. Even Charles Schultz, you know. There's the uh, so somehow the Christmas pickle is um, you know in. in just in its status as the least likely thing to have on your Christmas tree. And I'm going to say that's theologically okay as, as the, as the distant futures leading religious authority. I'm like, what is a bigger underdog story than being born in a, in a feeding trough? Right. You know, like, I mean, that's pretty underdog, but, but to be a glass pickle promulgated by a Spokane antiquities dealer. Little Pickle Made Good. And that concludes The Christmas Pickle, entry 220.IS0108, certificate number 31503 in the Omnibus. Futurelings, you may hear in the background the whirring of a small motor. That is the Christmas leaf blower. That's how we generate the Christmas spirit here. Long ago in the Americas, we moved dead leaves with brooms, but that was determined to be too much work. There was our one Christmas that almost didn't happen because of all the leaves that were still on the ground, Santa thought it was still autumn. Yeah. And it took the littlest leaf blower <laughs> to blow them all into the gutter and save Christmas. Nowadays, some of us who live in suburbia are so exercised by the leaf blower, it has become a kind of next-door NIMBY uh, Christmas ornament of its own. Do not blow your leaves, sweep them! But then, of course, Mexicans are here to take our jobs. And what job is more treasured? And they're smarter than us, and they use leaf blowers. They're not going to use rakes. These guys aren't dummies. Their food's better than ours. Their garden technology's better than ours. 
Well, in any case, boy, that leaf blower, he's right outside the window. He's looking in right now. He's like, what are these two guys doing? The thing is, there are, a lot, there are a lot of futurelings that are probably living in a very, very cold snowscape who've never seen a leaf. Who are like, a leaf? Well, that sounds like, I mean, they probably hang Christmas leaves on their on their Christmas icicle trees. We should recommend Christmas to them. If you're living in some kind of frozen, dark ice planet. It's a, <laughs> a hoth. If you're it's living a, on a hoth. It's a great uh, holiday for you. We recommend, we recommend a bright musical, shiny uh, distraction. Easter would be a, a terrible holiday for you because it would just, it'd be like, it'd be laughing in your face, right? Oh, it's, we're reborn. Ha, no. Yes. If you're some kind of subterranean culture hiding from the nuclear fallout, the last thing you want to hear is about a guy leaving his hole in the ground and getting right. to walk around happily. Right. Like, what? <laughs> what's so great about him? In your face. <laughs> uh, in the un- unlikely event that that there is still social social media, and you haven't, and that hasn't been converted into some kind of electric leaf blower technology, which it effectively is now. It's just like a, it's just a. What's it blowing away? It's a static, a guy in a rubber mask with static, uh, and he's waving a dildo in your face. That is the social media of our time. That's weird, Twitter. Except the except the dildo is a leaf blower, <laughs> in the shape of a glass pickle. Uh, Ken is hilarious on Twitter. He is at Ken Jennings. Highly recommend that you follow Ken if you like to be outraged by his hot takes. You're you're the hot take guy. I'm famous for bad takes on Twitter. Oh, is that different? Not sure. Uh, I'm, I'm of the two of us. Cold, but bad takes. Of the two of us, I'm the boomer. Uh, Ken, just a few years younger, somehow is the millennial. I'm Gen Z. Uh, I'm at John Roderick, also hilarious, but maybe a little bit too hilarious for you. You be the judge. I'm Ken Jennings on TikTok. Um, go to my Instagram if you want to see uh, me every once in a while take a selfie because I am in love with myself. A selfie of my of my beard, my beard garment. I thought you were self-loathing. How can you be? That's how, the how thing. can you have Letterman-like self-loathing and love your selfie? That's the thing, Letterman self-loathes but can't keep himself off of TV. That's true. Um, you can email us at theomnibusproject at gmail.com. Um, you can go to the Futurelings Facebook page where you will almost certainly uh, be confronted with now an archive of glass pickles that they will that will that will fill up a timeline for a, for a year at least. Uh, you can Mail us real things. Yeah, do not send us your glass pickles. They will go right into our pickle receptacle. What do you want them to send you? Um, brass monkeys. Can I request a holiday gift? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go, go. I would like to do an omnibus about chick tracts. Oh, if you have any chicked tracks. And I just want a stack of them. Did I say chicked? If you have any chick tracks. Merry Christmas from John's chicked tracts. <laughs> If you have chick tracks on hand, you're done with. You've already read them. You're already right. saved. Right. You've invited Jesus into your heart, and you've turned your back on uh, Judaism, Lucifer, or Dungeons and Dragons, right. uh, yeah, heavy metal, feminism, Catholic, uh, Catholicism. Ooh, Catholicism. The uh, worst. Please, if you've repented of all of those sins and more, please send us your used, gently used chick tracts for the future omnibus on this subject. Because That's my, my kids have a bunch, and they will not give me theirs. Yeah, those jerks. They, they hand them out outside their middle school. No, they don't. They do. Really? And your kids won't give them to you? So my, so two problems. My son will take them and not give them to me. Right. My daughter will be like, they shouldn't be here. And throws she, them away. She won't even take them. Oh. She's like, this is secular Seattle. I don't peddle your hate elsewhere. No, no, no. But, you, they, you know, it, <laughs> my mom uh, was on a trip. She just got back. And she said, she, my mom gives to charities. And she says the side effect of giving to charities is that you are inundated with uh, mail. This happens to us. Junk mail where uh, you're just uh, solicitation after solicitation. So usually she just does what the rest of us do, which is throw it immediately into the recycling. That's what I do. But she got home from this trip and went to the, she'd had her mail held. She went to the post office and there was a, a, a bin of mail for her from everybody under the sun wanting uh, wanting her money. And she was offended by it in in, in, in its collected mass. Because she, oh, because she went, her car is broken. She went to the, the central post office and had to schlep this bin of mail oh. home 
And again, your mom is in her 80s. She's she's in her mid-80s. And so and she brought a backpack to the to post office to bring her mail. And they filled this backpack and she was like, you know, she looked like Santa. Uh, you know, with their giant bag of of solicitations. So what she did was she opened all the solicitations. She wrote on their literature, take me off your mailing list, you you uh, sleaze bags. The American Kidney Foundation. And then, <laughs> Go to hell. And then stuffed their return, their postage paid return envelopes full of their own literature and mailed it all back to them. And At their cost. At their cost. And so she was delighted at having culture jammed World Wildlife Fund. <laughs> That's right. Trying to know, save these slots now. Doctors uh, against borders or whatever. <laughs> and so I was like, well, mom, that seems, you know, that's a little bit like a uh, little crazy. And she was like, well, I'm 85 and I can be crazy if I want. Anyway, so you should tell your daughter, take the chick tracks. It bleeds them dry. Yeah. That's, that's Every chick track you take is one. That doesn't actually go to somebody who might... St- Stop listening to heavy metal. That's right. One fewer that, that hits a vulnerable middle schooler. I will remind her of that. Okay. If you'd like to support the show, if you would like to support us in these exceedingly long outros. It's the season of giving. Uh, that's right. And it's also your opportunity to subvert the Christmas paradigm by spending your Christmas dollars helping support Omnibus. The littlest podcast. Help save Christmas. And and receive our exclusive bonus content at patreon.com slash omnibus project. Listeners, from our vantage point in your distant past, we have no idea if this will be our last Christmas ever, mm. as George Michael once sang. Mm-hmm. Last, last Christmas is about the last Christmas before the apocalypse. George Michael's last Christmas is such a terrible song and how it became a Christmas song. I don't know. We have no idea how long our civilization survived. Uh, We certainly seem to be a little low on peace on earth Mm -hmm. and goodwill toward man. We hope and pray that the catastrophe we fear may never come. But if the worst comes soon, bah humbug, uh, this very recording could be our final word to you. But if providence allows, if there's a Christmas miracle, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus. travel to recover from heartbreak to trace your dna escape the internet on our podcast a way to go we've been exploring all the reasons we travel i'm gerilyn gerba i'm pavia rosati and together we're the founders of travel website fab and we've already heard so many great stories such as an actress in rural kenya explaining the ins and outs of safe sex a graffiti artist tagging the islands of southeast asia a producer arranging high fashion photo shoots in the desert listen to a way to go on the iHeartRadio app on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts 